Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again bringing you the Word of God. It is always an honor, always a privilege. Praise God. I'm so grateful that you're uh, connecting with us, listening in, watching. Praise God. Today, once again, we're going to the book of Psalms, Psalms 34, please. Psalms 34, hallelujah, and verse 8. And of course, we've been working through a series in our midweek services talking about, uh, actually, the series is entitled God Is, praise God. And we've talked about many things about how good God is and merciful and loving and praise God. And we've kind of shifted a little, a few gears here just in the last several weeks here talking about the fact that God is our God. Amen. And kind of just uh, bringing out the fact that uh, how, uh, how personal, amen, God wants to be with you and me. Praise God. So let's look at our key verse. Verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, perceive it and experience, amen, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, of course, everything kind of, this whole series, we just kind of a, uh, springboard off that, uh, the fact that God is good, because everything about God, you find out, that's just it. He's just good, and he's good all the time. Praise God. And so, anyway, we're, today we're going to jump into the New Covenant. We're going to go to the book of Mark, please. Mark chapter 12 is where we're going to go. And today I am going to talk about how God is one. Amen. Praise God. As I said earlier, we talked about how God is my God or our God. Amen. Personal. We talked about, I think last we talked about how God is uh, your life. Amen. And today... We're talking about God is one. Amen. What that means there. Uh, ch chapter, whoops, there we go. Luke, pardon me, Mark 12. Uh, a common text, we're going to read more of it, though, uh, than probably most uh, read. Um, we're going to read kind of the whole text here. Uh, Mark 12, verse 28, please. And it says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, talking about what Jesus had said. He asked him, which, of the, which is the first commandment of all? Which is the first commandment, okay, or foremost commandment is what that word means. Okay, the word commandment itself just means a precept, an injunction. Um, it literally means an um, authoritative prescription, authoritative prescription. There you go. Or something like a, a formula or a remedy kind of a thing is kind of what this word means. But he goes on to say then, Jesus answered him and said, the first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There it is. There's our key verse. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Praise God. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In fact, the Matthew's account of this talks about that on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets, all right? So in other words, that's how important these are. In other words, love God and love people. Praise God. Verse 32, so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one another, or, or pardon me, one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when, uh, now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, 
He said to him, you are not far off from the kingdom of God. Amen. Of course, after that, no one dared question him. Now, last week, we kind of ended out of Luke's, uh, a verse out of Luke uh, chapter 10 and verse 28. And we uh, brought out uh, that this is actually the tail end of, of the same text, but in Luke's account. And how Jesus answered this gentleman, he said that you have, you have answered rightly. Okay, so in other words, when, the, when this, this uh, scribe or this lawyer uh, had answered Jesus, he said, you answered rightly, and he said, do this and you'll live. And he made the, uh, the Amplified brings it out, do this and you will live. You will enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom. You will enjoy active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom. Now, that's, that's how... Uh, the Amplified brings out that verse. When we're talking about this, amen, uh, like I said, there's Matthew's account, there's Mark's account here that we read, and of course last week we touched on just the tail end of that in Luke's account. Now the idea is to bring out, praise God, what does this mean when he says that uh, the Lord our God is one, amen. So if you kind of back up here, uh, you look at this, and it says here the Lord our God is one. Now this actually is... Um, a quote out of Deuteronomy 6, and uh, you kind of see it, I think it's like around verse 4, but you kind of read that whole text in there from verse 4 on through like, let's say, verse 15. And he brings this text out, okay, this is what, what Jesus is quoting, okay, uh, and he makes a few other statements, but this word, the Lord God is one, okay, one, okay, so what does that mean, all right? Well, it's a word uh, that ekad, um, uh, I believe it's how it's pronounced, and it means first, alone, or only. It also means every or primary, which is a key word, the word primary, okay, which means first in significance or first in importance. Now, the reason that's kind of a key word is because he's not really using the word priority. He's using the word primary. That's what this word means. Okay, because priority could mean that that could shift and change. You know, this now is my priority. Okay, now this now is my priority. That could shift and change as the days go on. But when it's primary, what he's trying to bring out is he's first in significance and first in importance in everything. That's the way it's designed to be. Remember, he's your God. Amen. And he's your life. And what he's trying to bring out here uh, in this text, he's trying to show you that God needs to be your all in all. Okay. That God needs to be everything for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, um, let's see here. Maybe the best way to say it. Um, um, if, if you went back in time, uh, back into Deuteronomy, pardon me, and you kind of look uh, at this text he kind of follows up this text. Now, it doesn't necessarily do it here in the New Covenant, but it definitely does it in the Old Covenant in multiple places. Uh, he uses the word jealous, okay? He says that uh, not to follow after other gods, for the Lord God is a jealous God. Now, it's in the same text, okay? Now, the reason being is this word jealous God means not bearing any rival. Now, you see multiple references, uh, Exodus 33, Deuteronomy 4, Joshua 24, uh, Ezekiel 8. These are just multiple references. But what it refers to is nothing and no one can exceed or surpass or outdo or outstage him. That's what it means, okay? He's a jealous God, not bearing any rival is what it means, not bearing any rival. In other words, there ain't nobody higher. That's what he's trying to bring out, okay? 
Nobody higher. No one else uh, is to be your, your one, your first, okay, your source, your all in all. Amen. And if you really start thinking about this, you know, Jesus used this text. This is what he, you know, quoted uh, out of Deuteronomy. But you see multiple times when Jesus is talking, he makes that pretty clear that God's our all in all. He's our answer. He's our solution. He's our wisdom. He's our counsel. He's our leader. He's the one that guides us, directs us. Amen. And he, he uh, makes the comments, uh, like, for instance, in uh, Matthew 6 and 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God, right? And all these other things get added to you. Amen. He's talking about all the things the Gentiles seek after. Now, the reason I thought that was a worthy text to bring out is because the fact that, you know, you go to him first. That's what he's trying to bring out here. Your first, uh, you know, uh, what was that def definition of commandment again? An authoritative prescription. It's the formula or the remedy. See, what Jesus is trying to bring out, the first uh, authoritative prescription is making God primary. In other words, always go to him first. Always lean on him. Always trust in him. Always look to him. Make him your source. Amen. He's your God. Amen. He's your life. But you have to make him your source. Amen. You can go all day long as a child of God and never lean on God for one thing. When all along, everything you have, everything that's uh, in uh, as far as heaven's resources are all at your disposal. So he's trying to bring out here, this is how it works. Amen. Amen. Put God as your source. Amen. And then that's why it goes on to say, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. In fact, praise God, let's do this. Uh, let's kind of look down here a little bit further now. Verse 30 of this, Mar I'm in Mark 12 still. Verse 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, of course, this is the first uh, commandment, or this is the uh, foremost uh, utterance here that he brings out. Amen. Now, why is that, you know, why does he bring it out like that? Well, the bottom line is, if God's your source, then give him your all. Lean on him with everything. Trust in him with everything. Love him with everything. So this word love here uh, is, a, is a Greek word. Agapeo is the Greek word. And it means a total commitment. Amen. Now, of course, it comes out of the word agape, which does mean love or unconditional love. But agapeo puts a little spin on it. Okay. It's referring to a commitment. All right. So it's talking about a total commitment, a giving of oneself over unto uh, to bind oneself to. In other words, kind of like in the sense of I can't do without. That's kind of what it refers to. And so what he's talking about here is kind of in a sense stepping over a line of total commitment, making him or crowning him king in every area of your life. That's what it's bringing out. All right. Now, uh, you, can, you can avoid that or you can uh, not do that. I mean, the scriptures are kind of clear. Uh, Revelations 2 and 4 says this. He said uh, to the church at Ephesus, I have this against you that you have left your first love. And he's talking about that same thing. Your commitment toward me is gone. It's not like it used to be. You're not loving me with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength anymore. You might have done that at the beginning, but you're not doing that. So obviously, uh, the potential to lose that first love, so to speak, or that total commitment unto God is there, all right? And that's why I think it's necessary to bring it up, praise God. Now, the scripture says this in 1 John 4 and verse 19. It says, we love him 
because he first loved us, which is actually the same Greek word agapeo. In other words, he made a commitment towards you first. He showed his true colors. Amen. He made that commitment unto you from the very get-go. Amen. And now you're turning and you're now making that quality choice. Amen. I, at least we hope so, right? That you're making that quality choice to make that commitment toward him. Amen. Now I'm going to say this, okay, because, uh, you know, everybody in a sense, when you're talking, at least when I say everybody, I'm talking about the body of Christ. If I was to, you know, sit up here and minister to any congregation, pretty much just about any congregation. And I said, let's you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's probably anybody that's going to disagree with that. Everybody's going to have some form of mental assent, some form of an agreement that they'll agree with that. Amen. But it's one thing to mentally agree with, you know, what the word says here or mentally agree with that, that insight or that understanding or that commandment. Amen. We could say, amen. It's one thing to mentally assent or agree with it. And it's another thing to actually live it and walk it out. Amen. Because this is really about walking it out. That's what he's talking about. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Amen. That's covering, kind of, in a sense, kind of covering the bases, so to speak. Praise God. And so what I want to do for at least a few more minutes here is I want to kind of define some of this, what this means, and then it'll kind of speak spin us into what we want to finish up with here today. All right, I hope you're hearing this today. Praise God. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and your strength? Okay, well, the word heart here, cardia, which we, you know, cardio is, uh, you know, where we get that word. Uh, that's the Greek word, cardia, which actually means the core, the center, middle, okay? But it refers to, it literally defines it as the seat of control. The seat of control refers to the area where the decisions are made. Decision-making, your will, your character, all kind of spins out of the heart of an individual. Now, a heart of man can be good, can be bad, depending you know, on what you, what you feed on, what you, uh, you, know, you, you look to, what you give your attention to. We can kind of go on and on and just preach a whole sermon just on that by itself. But the bottom line is it means the core. It means really everything comes out of that heart. In fact, the scriptures are clear. Everything comes out of the heart of man. Amen. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. Even Jesus made that clear. Amen. So our heart is that everybody has a right heart, right? That your heart, everything that comes out of it is something good. But here it says we're called to love God or have a commitment in every area of our life. And it starts with the core, the center, the heart. Amen. So he's asking, amen, that, that he could be king, so to speak, in the seat of uh uh, what was it? The seat of control. That's how it's defined. Seat of control. So there's a seat, so to speak. Let's think about this. A seat that, you know, someone would sit down in. Amen. A seat. Okay. When we're saying that. So it's referring to, you know, who's sitting in that seat. Is God able to sit in that seat or is that something that you're still occupying that space? Okay. So when we're talking about loving God with all your heart. We're talking about, praise God, letting God, amen, be crowned king in that seat. That seat in your heart, amen, that, that seat of control, amen. Let's let him be the one that sits in that seat, amen. Now, as we kind of get into this, you're going to see that that becomes pretty critical. 
as I said earlier, you know, most people are all going to agree with it, mentally assent. They're going to say, yeah, I agree with that. They're going to give the favorable nod, you know, yeah, I, I agree with that. Or they're going to give amen, praise the Lord, I agree with that, you know, kind of thing. But it's one thing, amen, to let God sit in that seat. And it's another, it's, it's another thing when you're saying you agree, but you're still taking the place of that seat, okay? Because it's easy to do. You know, pretty soon you're moving along in life, you know, and this is kind of what he was talking about to in uh, Revelation to the church at Ephesus. You're no longer letting God sit in that seat. You've lost that first love. It's now all about you. It's all about your kingdom. It's all about your things. It's all about your uh, this and your that. Okay, Uh, we could probably get into a bunch of different things there. But my heart really is not to just focus on the negative, but yet to see that it is possible to, hand, uh, to not let God be sitting in that seat, okay? Didn't sound like proper English there, but the bottom line is you either could be sitting in that seat or God is. And hopefully you've made the choice to let God sit in that seat where God is in the seat of control in your life. In other words, you're loving God or totally committed with your whole heart, amen. I hope that made sense to you. He goes on to talk about here, all right. Uh, the love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. Okay, so what does that mean? So this word here is suke, which means a vital force, or sometimes you use the word breath in there. Okay, but it means, it refers to the emotions, or here we go, the seat of feelings. Okay, of the feelings, desires, and affections. Of the feelings, desires, and affections. So again, it's another seat Okay, but he's talking about here now your feelings, your emotions, uh, your desires, your affections. Okay, so now you start thinking about now how this begins to affect another facet of your life. Okay, okay, does God hold the seat of your feelings and emotions, desires and affections? Does he hold the seat? Okay, is he king? Has he been crowned king in that seat there or are you still holding it? Now, think about this, okay? We're children of God, okay? Again, you may mentally agree or assent with something and say, yeah, 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 I agree with that, but, okay, I don't feel like, or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, worked up about this, or I, I'm just not so sure, uh, uh, you know, I can go with that or whatever. You might be amazed at how many times uh, that you've said that God has that seat, but instead we ourselves have, have, have taken that seat. And for some reason, sometimes we feel like we're justified. And I'm just trying to bring out, you know, sometimes you have to say, you know what? God is king in my life. Amen. Regardless of how I feel right now. Regardless of what my emotions are trying to do right now. Because a lot of people base all their decision-making kind of comes out of their feelings and emotions, all right? They might say, yeah, I know I should walk in love or be merciful or uh, forgive, or we can kind of go on and on and on here. Uh, But the bottom line is, but I don't feel like it, or I don't, uh, you know, your emotions get the best of you, all right? Okay, I'm sad today, so I don't feel like walking in joy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm depressed day today, so I don't feel like walking in faith. You know, um, what, we can just go on and on and on of all kinds of ways that we have taken that place, the seat of the feelings, emotions, desires, affections, okay? And again, we could go down this road, you know, a hundred different directions, 
But the bottom line is, okay, again, is he king in the area of your feelings and your emotions? See, we're loving God. We've made a commitment to love God with all our heart, with all our soul. And then it goes into with all our mind, okay? This particular word here means deep thought or imagination, but it refers to the seat of reasoning, okay? The seat of reasoning, talking about maybe understanding or the exercise of the mind. When you think about reasoning, you know, sometimes, you know, the facts are this, and you got a fact about this, and this thing happened, and this happened yesterday and yesteryear, and pretty soon you start putting all the facts together, and you begin to reason things in your head, even though the Spirit of God is trying to lead you, guide you, direct you, even though the Spirit of God is trying to grow you up, or even though the Spirit of God is trying to somehow or another cause you to become the person that you're called to be in the kingdom of light. And what happens is we somehow reason things away. We somehow take all the facts of, of what happened then and, and this thing going on here and what somebody said there. And pretty soon you're sitting here, you know, uh, you know, moving the, you know, exercising the mind, so to speak. Your own understanding begins to take over pretty soon, your own reasoning. And next thing you know, you're backing up, not doing the things you should be because of the fact your own reasoning okay, has shut down uh, the, 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 the good decision-making that you should be doing, all right? I hope you're hearing this, okay? Because it comes down to this. Is he king? Has he been crowned king in the seat, okay, of, of reasoning in your life? Amen. That even though the facts might be this or this thing was said or this thing was done, can you override that because God said do this or God said don't do that? Or God said, move forward. Or God said, uh, be patient. Or whatever it is he's talking to you about. Can you let all that, uh, you know, take a side, you know, maybe on, uh, you know, a sidestep a little bit to let God be king in the midst of regardless of what your mind's trying to do, regardless of what the reasoning and the understanding and the, that exercise of the mind it begins to try to somehow or another talk you out of it. Oh, child of God, I hope you're hearing this. Amen. Is he king? Is he the one given place to sit in the seat of reasoning? Just like the seat of the feelings and emotions. Just like the seat of the decision making. Okay. Okay. Or what I always, uh, seat of control, I guess is how it's actually worded. Okay. Seat of control, the heart. Okay. So it says here, love God, a total commitment. Okay. Uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then it says with all your strength. Okay. So what does that bring out? Well, the word strength here is a word force or might, but it refers to the seat of one's own abilities, okay? One's own abilities. In other words, one that, you know, extends energy to carry out something. That's what I'm talking about. So again, it's talking about, you know, you, the doing, what you do, okay? Your own abilities. Are you, have you submitted your own abilities unto God? Does God hold the seat, okay, of your own abilities. In other words, can God say, I know you could do this, but I want you to do this. I know you're able to do this, but I, I would prefer you to do this. Does he hold that place in your life? So when we're talking about loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. This is what it's talking about. This, uh, do you have enough commitment? Agapeo. Do you love God enough? Are you committed to God enough? 
to let him hold the seat of control, the seat of the feelings and emotions, the seat of reasoning, the seat of one's own abilities or strength here. Does God hold that place? Years ago, I did a, uh, did a message on touching on this, and I actually had four chairs up here on the, on the platform, and, and uh, you know, I kind of showed it as each one being an actual chair or a seat, okay? And, you know, just kind of physically showing you how you can, through circumstances and situations that go on, you know, cause God to step out of that seat, amen, tell God to get out of that seat, and you take its place, and you think, well, that would be crazy. Nobody would be foolish enough to do that. But chances are we probably have all done it and probably all done it pretty regularly. See, when we're talking about a commitment, such a commitment, such a love for God, that no matter what God led or said or, or wanted you to do, you're willing to follow through. You're willing to, to walk it out regardless, to say when he says to say it or to, or to not say when he says to hush, okay, or to step forward even though everything in your being wants to just run, okay, but yet you know enough to step forward or you know enough to stop when every fiber you wants to jump in with both feet and, and probably get yourself in trouble. Now, of course, I'm mentioning a few things here and there, and like I said, this could go down a hundred different directions, okay? But the bottom line is, is he king? Is he the one that holds the place of this? When he's saying uh, this is the, the authoritative, uh, what was that word, prescription, the formula, the remedy, this is how it all works. If you were to say what is the, the primary thing, the best thing, amen, what's the greatest commandment? He's saying this is it. Make God your source in everything. Be committed. Stay committed. Love God with all. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Praise God. And of course, he goes on to love uh, others. Amen. As you would yourself. And bottom line is love God, love people. Praise God. Now, of course, today we're talking about God is one. So we're focusing more on the, on the first one here, dealing with loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Praise God. With that said, let's look at a couple different references. Uh, Romans 8. Um, is a good one here because uh, Romans 8 and 28, it just says, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now that word love God is that same Greek word agapeo. Okay, what it's referring to is, listen, if you're committed to God, we know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what's happening at that moment, if you will stay committed, he says, all things are going to work out. Things will begin to shift and come into a right place. Amen. If you will just stay committed, that no matter. And the reason that's so important is because there's all kinds of variables that happen every day in our life. You know, we, we're surrounded with people and, and, and things and jobs and family and, and all kinds of stuff. Weather, we can go on and on and on, all the different things that, that affects your life from day in and day out. And all these things are variables that happen off and on in the course of our, our, our daily walk. And all of a sudden, this happens, or this is said, or this thing uh, doesn't happen like you thought it was going to. And, and this individual made a decision you wish they wouldn't have made, or whatever it is. But yet we can still say all things are going to work together for good because you're committed. You're committed to God. You're, you're, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And because of that, all things are going to work together. It's all going to come around and work to your favor. Amen. Because you're committed. God is one. The Lord our God, and He is one. He's, he's primary in every area. He's my source in all things. Amen. He's not just priority. He's primary. He's first in significance. First in importance. Amen. He is the first thing in every area of my life. In other words, no matter what I'm dealing with at the moment, amen, he's primary. He's first. Amen. He's one. Praise God is what it brings out. Amen. Another reference I always a lot of times think about is Galatians 5 and 6. And it talks about in there how faith worketh through love. Okay. Again, Faith worketh through love. In other words, it's talking about, again, even how does faith work? Well, you're committed. You're settled in. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to waver. You're not up and down. So your faith works great that no matter what you're dealing with, you're committed unto God. Amen. And no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how long it seems to be taken, no matter the time elements, no matter what it is, no matter what's against you, no matter how many things are against you, Know this, that your faith is going to work through love. It's going to work through that commitment. Amen. That committed love. Agapeo. Amen. Praise God. I love that. The Williams translation in Galatians 5, 6 uh, talks about that in Christ. He says, what counts is only faith that is spurred on to action by love. Only faith that is spurred on to action by love. I love how that's said. In other words, no matter what's going on, my faith's going to work because I'm settled in. Amen. I'm spurred to action, praise God. Hallelujah. Because of the fact I have a commitment toward God. Amen. That no matter what's happening, I'm settled in here. I'm committed. I'm all in. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's my all and all. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, with that said, we're going to shift gears here a little bit. We're going to go to the Gospel of John, please. Gospel of John. Hallelujah. And chapter 21, please. All right. Gospel of John and chapter 21. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, one of the things that this is so necessary because, you know, when you start talking about uh, total commitment, okay, uh, it's, it's, it's a risk, isn't it? Total commitment is a risk, okay? You know, nothing really works without it, okay? I mean, I think about, uh, you know, I, was, I sat down one day and I just kind of wrote out a few things, but I don't care if we're talking about a new diet plan, if we're talking about, uh, you know, a success formula, a business plan, we're talking about marriage, other relationships, uh, your walk in God, it doesn't matter, okay? All of them, amen, the reason they work is because you're all in. If you're not all in, they're probably not going to work for you. Okay, every one of those things I mentioned, there's probably dozens more we could mention. But the bottom line is, these things ain't going to work if you're not all in. You could say all day long, I'm on a new diet. But if you're not in, that diet ain't going to work for you no matter what. I got a new business plan I'm going to do. Well, I, it don't matter if you're not all in. If you're not committed to it, then, you know, one day uh, you're, you're in, next day you're not. And so what happens is it probably ain't going to succeed like you want. Okay. And if we can go on and on, a marriage, if you're only in part-time, your, pro your marriage probably ain't going to work, or at least it won't be very successful. 
Okay, any other relationship, you know, that's, that's what makes them work is people are, are in, praise God, amen. They're committed, amen. There's a friendship that's a bond there, praise God, amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, the reason I think that's necessary to talk about is because I believe that, you know, when you're talking about commitment, it's up and close. It's, it's personal, okay? Uh, commitment is about vulnerability, Okay, commitment, um, you know, really is just, uh, you know, when you stop and think about it, it's, it's very personal. Okay, when you say you're committed, okay, and you're all in, that means you've made yourself somewhat vulnerable, amen, to the one that you're committed to. And so that's why a lot of times people waver because they become vulnerable and people don't like to be vulnerable. They get a little nervous. They get scared about something. They, get, they panic about something. They stress out about something. Next thing you know, uh, they've called telling God to get out of that seat, so to speak, and jumping in the seat themselves, saying, I'll take it from here. And you know how well that goes. Uh-huh. Come on now. All right. John 21 here. Or John 20, pardon me. John 20. All right. I think I might have said 21, but it's 20. Uh, no, it ain't. John 21. I was wrong again. John 21. And verse 15, there it is right there. It says, so when uh, they had eaten breakfast, uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Okay, he's talking about everybody else that's sitting around. So right now, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and he says, do you love me? That's that word agapeo again. Okay, and it means, again, a commitment. Are you committed? Are you totally in? Peter, are you in or not? I want to know, okay, can I count on you? Are you in? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he, and he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, I just want you to know this, okay? This second word here, love, what Peter said to him is not the same word, agapeo. This is a word phileo, okay? So he never answered back, yeah, I'm totally in or I'm totally committed. He just said this, yeah, I'm, I'm phileo, okay? In other words, I have an affection or warm friendship. But it means based on mutual satisfaction. Or in other words, it's conditional. So even when Jesus, you know, said, are you committed? You know, he said, well, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm connected. Well, I'm, and I'm not asking if you want to just be connected. I want to know if you're all committed. I want to know, are you all in? Okay, so Jesus asked him again, right? Come on. He said to him again a second time, verse 16 here. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? There's that word, agapeo again. And of course, Peter said, well, yeah, you know. But he says, you know that I phileo you. Come on now. And then Jesus said, tend my sheep. You know, again, there's that friendship, okay? You know that I have affection towards you. You know that I'm, you know, I, I'm with you. We're buds. You know, we're, you know, we're, we, we, you know, I like hanging out with you. And, and uh, you know, I always like being there. And, uh, you know, I like hearing what you have to say. And, and he said, no, are you committed? Now, child of God, I thought it's worthy of bringing this out because I think about sometimes this is where a lot of Christians are. So Jesus asked him again, but this time, guess what Jesus did? Jesus said, do you phileo me? All right, in other words, okay, I'll meet you at where you're at. Okay, I'll meet you right where you're at. Okay, so you, you have an affection toward me. Okay, you got, you got a connection with me, I guess. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll work with that, all right? But, you know, it took a while. Now, I believe with all my heart, uh, our uh, brother Peter here, he got, he got with it, and the boy was all in. 
Before it was too long, man, this boy was, was going after it, praise God. He had a little setback there, but he took off, and I guarantee you that man was all in, was willing to lay down his life uh, for his master. And praise God for that. But I believe what happened here is the Lord kind of addressed it. Are you committed? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. No, are you committed? Well, you know, I'm there. He said, okay, all right, so you're there. Okay, you've you got an affection toward me, a friendship uh, toward me. I, okay, we can work with that. And of course, you know, Peter said, yeah, you know, he agreed. Yes, you know that I love that. He says, you know all things and you know uh, that I love you, Jesus said. And he said, of course, feed my sheep. Now, I, I think, you know, when you stop and you think about it, you know, this is kind of what he's doing to you and me right now. Do you love him? Are you committed? Are you committed? Are you all in or not? All right. And, you know, you know, we could say whatever, and he could say, ask you again. Well, this time, you know, when he asked the third time, you know, Peter, you know, basically says, you know what, you know. I mean, you know where I'm at. So, you know, I, I, can't, I can't pull the wool over your eyes. You know where I'm at. And really, to be honest, that's just the facts. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. He knows exactly where we're at. Amen. Now, hopefully, our heart uh, is all in. Hopefully, uh, we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hopefully, he is one. Amen. In our life, he's he's the one that we're committed and settled in there. Praise God and submitted and yielded to. Praise God. Hopefully that's the case. Now he goes on here, and I I just thought it'd be uh, you know we should read the rest of this. And he said here in verse uh, now eighteen, he said, uh, "Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, uh, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands." And and another, or pardon me, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. In other words, he's signifying to him, you know, the kind of how he was going to die. And he spoke, signifying by what death he would uh, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, "Follow me." All right, which means to accompany. Come on, jump in here. Get all the way in here. All right, that's what it means. And Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Talking about John here, okay, uh, um, whom Jesus. Um, who Jesus loved following, and uh, who also had uh, leaned on his breast at, at the supper table there, right? And said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Now, Peter, of course, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, uh, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, I thought the reason that was uh, worthy of reading is because of the fact that sometimes that's exactly where we're at, okay? We're, we, you know, God's working on us. God puts the light on us and says, are you, are you all in? Are you committed? And we have a tendency sometimes, well, what about so-and-so? Or what about them? You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, that's where they're at, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. He says, listen, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'll deal with them, but I'm talking to you right now. Are you all in? Are you going to follow me? And I think with all my heart, child of God, we got to settle it. We got to settle it. Are we committed? Amen. God has proven through his goodness, his mercy, his love, the fact that he's able, has proven to us time and time again that he is our God, that he's our life. Amen. Are you willing to say you're one in my life? You're primary. You're first in importance and first in significance and I'm committed unto you praise God can can you say that with a with a with a right heart praise God I hope you can amen 
Let's look at another deal here. In fact, uh, earlier I mentioned it, but Revelations 2, please. Revelations 2. I want to just kind of read it again. And it just says this. Amen. In verse 4, of course, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, nevertheless, in other words, he brought up some things that they were good at, things that were happening, but he said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love, which means early love, and the way it was when you first come into this thing. In other words, when you first came into this thing, you were all in. But he said, somewhere along the line, you've taken the place of the seat of control or the seat of the feelings or emotions, the seat of reasoning, the seat of one's own ability. Somewhere along the line, you've now taken that seat again, and now you've kind of somehow or another just made God, you know, you know maybe just uh, a part of uh, your priority instead of primary. You know, he's important or my priority maybe on Sunday morning. Or maybe he's my priority, uh, you know, when the times get bad or times get tough, whatever. But the point is, he's not looking to just be a priority, but to be primary in your life. You know, I was thinking as this, as I was studying this, and there's multiple references. And I thought I would maybe do this before I let you go. But the scripture talk about that, you know, you could be as a child of God committed to other things. You could, you could have more of a commitment toward other things than you do God. I mean, I think if we all sat and thought about that for, you know, half a minute, we'd probably say, well, yeah, that's, that's obviously doable. Uh, but the scriptures talk about it. In John 3 and 19, the word said that men love darkness rather than light. Agapeo again. They loved, they had more of a commitment toward darkness. That literally means the kingdom of darkness, okay? So they had more, people could literally have more of a commitment to darkness than to light. That's wild to me. John 12 and 43 says they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. In other words, they had more of a commitment toward hearing the applause or the flattery, the compliments or the endorsement of others than they did even God. And that can happen. Sometimes you're more concerned about what everybody else thinks than you are what God thinks. All right. Luke 11 and 43 it says that he uh, said that you love the best seats. And all that means is places of honor, recognition, homage, whatever. And he's talking, of course, at the time, talking to the religious leaders. And he says, you're, you're more concerned about how everybody else honors you than you are even about your honor toward God. You have more of a commitment toward getting the pat on the back from everybody else and making sure that they all see you as some highfalutin whatever instead of, you know, having a commitment toward God. The scripture also brings out in 2 Timothy 4, in verse 10, it says how they have loved or committed themselves to this present world. Literally means uh, the system of operation or its mode of operation, so to speak. Amen. It's methods. Talking about the world system. You can be more committed to the world system than you do God. Man, we can go on and on and on about that. Everything from uh, education to finance to, uh, you know, I mean, just... Uh, entertainment, anything. Okay, we can go on and on on how, how you can be more committed toward the systems of the world than you are to God. First John 2 and 5 says, it says not to love the world or the things in the world. In other words, not only the world system, but the stuff. Okay, all the stuff it has to offer. Amen. You can be more committed to stuff. I've seen this time and time again. 
amen, where things become a higher priority than even their love for God, all right? More committed to things and stuff than they are to God. Oh, child of God, it's, it's, see, it's so possible, all right? Uh, 2 Timothy, maybe the last one here, and I probably won't read it, but in chapter 3 and verse 1 through 5, it talks about how men in these last days are going to be more of a lover of themselves more than lovers of God, okay? They're going to be more committed unto themselves, their own kingdom, their own lives than they are even unto God. And obviously, child of God is talking to the church, not talking to just uh, the people outside of God, outside the kingdom, Okay, because all these are, are letters written to you and me, all right, as children of God. The point being made is it is possible to be more committed to other things than we are to God. Now, again, as I said, and I'm, you know, my heart is not to depress anybody, but it is to make you think. We mentally can assent or mentally agree with this truth and mentally agree the fact that I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength that I have made God my all in all, but when it really comes down to it, when, when it really comes down to the rubber meeting the road, we find out that maybe other things have a tendency to control our decision-making, that our own feelings and emotions sometimes dictate, that our own reasoning and how we analyze facts begins to more, uh, dictate more than what God could, uh, could do that our own abilities, and, and really when you stop and you think about uh, when even the, the importance of not, the word says that you're not under the law but under grace, it, the whole thing's talking about it's all about your own ability. You're going to do everything you can. Now I want to say this in closing. We're not talking about trying to earn God's love or earn God's acceptance. You're already accepted. You're already uh, got a God that loves you, all right? But what we're talking about, amen, is settling it, praise God, that, that his love, his commitment, amen, hallelujah, to me is, amen, priority. That everything that God thinks and says and does is a higher priority to me. I'm not just trying to earn his love. And if anything, I'm maybe saying this, I'm going to respect the fact that God loves me and God believes in me, amen, that God is my God, God is my life, amen, God is one, amen, my all in all. Child of God, I hope you got something today, praise God. Father, I give you praise and glory and honor. So thankful for a people that are near to hear, a heart to receive. Again, Lord, I believe that you're opening the eyes of our understanding, and for that we give you the praise, we give you the glory, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God. I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.